episode of currently binging the podcast about all things TV and movies. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe button or whatever platform you're listening to my voice on. Also, take a few extra seconds to rate, comment. All greatly appreciated. So we are back to discuss The Watcher, which was a series that dropped on Netflix and is based on, or I should say loosely, (laughs) based on a true story. So we're going to dive into this. There will be spoilers, all that good stuff. Um, So The Watcher stars Naomi Watts, Bobby Cannavelli, Mia Farrow, um, trying to go through like, oh, Jennifer Coolidge, of course, Christopher McDonald, uh, Margot Martindale, Joe Mantello, and yeah, and other and a, a quite a few other folks. This is from Ryan Murphy. Um, y'all know I love Ryan Murphy, although sometimes, you know, I always tell the truth of how I feel. <laughs> sometimes he pushes it a little too far. Um, but overall, so this was seven episodes. I said that it was loosely, I'm air coding, um, based on true events because after watching it, I did go and look up the events that this is based on. And I think that it's it's mostly the theme is what is based on the true event. And then they had creative license to add in all the things that were added into the show. So we get to follow the Brannick family around. I have to say, from the beginning of this, I was just like, there are so many red flags. I don't even understand how they moved into the house. Like the creepy people at the house opening with the dumb waiter situation, that would have been a big red flag to me. But then also, and I guess apparently people can have differing opinions on this, but my POV is like, you went to this open house, this was your first time seeing the house, and then um, Dean is like, oh, okay, I'm going to go talk. I can't get the loans that we need to t- to buy the house because they've had previous um, financial situations. They had to file for bankruptcy before, mainly due to Dean. And it like caused issues in his um, marriage with Nora. So like all that. So the bank's like, no, we can't give you any money. So he's like, okay, we'll drain all of our things, like all of our accounts, all of our investments, like everything and put it into this house. To me, I'm not doing that because <laughs> that means that the house is above your means and you're doing all this on the hunch that you're going to get a promotion which we find out later on that he doesn't get but like all these things you're doing based on circumstances that are not real circumstances or your current circumstances is based on things that you think will be your your future circumstance and therefore I personally (laughs) would be like oh guess we can't afford the house not going to do it but of course he does it, doesn't tell Nora. And like, I was writing because I was like, does she know that he is doing all? Cause you guys know I take notes. I was like, does he know that he is um, pretty much get, making them have like n- nothing to fall back on um, by buying this house. And then even, cause like at the end when everything happens and then they move back to the city, 
it was like they moved back into their the same apartment that they had before they moved into this house. Like, how did that happen? Did they own this apartment? Like, there were some, some blank questions that I had about that whole thing when they, like, eventually left the house. But anyway, so they moved into the house, and immediately, immediately after they moved into the house, all these random things start happening. And they get these letters, and I have to say the, like, voice of the watcher, I literally wrote, I cannot take it seriously, because it was just like, oh my gosh. I don't, I don't know how they could have done the voiceover for The Watcher, but I don't know. The voice was just really, really like, I don't, it felt like a car caricature or something. I don't know what it was, but it was just like, I can't take this voice seriously. And every time they would, a letter would come and we would hear The Watcher voice, like I would be pulled out of what I was watching, but maybe it was just me. But anyway, so all these things start happening and, um, eventually we kind of find out that out of all the letters they received, Dean actually wrote one of the letters because he was trying to get them to sell the house. I think just based on their, on their situation, like this is an, an example of living beyond your means or what's the one that they always say, um, keeping up with the Joneses or whatever like that. When it's like, you want to outwardly show that you're wealthy <laughs> Um, and what do they say? Like, it's usually like wealth, wealthy people don't flaunt their wealth, but rich people will flaunt their riches. So like, there's a difference between being wealthy and being rich. So essentially they were like being faux rich and like trying to flaunt this lifestyle that they obviously could not afford and were being haunted by, um, that uh, someone who they do not know who wanted the house. And like, when we find out that like there were letters being sent um, out to various houses within this town from, because the teacher had like this project that was like uh, your, like a letter to your house um, type of a situation. It's like, that's still kind of weird. Like, I, I don't know. I proclaim, I'm not really a city girl, but I do like the city feel because I like more of the like, I don't know. It's just something about a city lifestyle versus like a very slow, like townish suburban lifestyle where like, it seems like literally everyone is watching everyone. I don't know. I grew up in the suburbs. So like, literally I know people will be watching other people in the neighborhood. Cause like there's this whole, um, feeling of like, community in the neighborhood and all of that versus when you live in the city and I've lived in a, in, in an actual real city, <laughs> then yeah, you may not have like as much community or neighborhood, neighborhoody feelings that you would get if you lived in like a suburb or like a, a more, um, urban setting. And I say urban to just make it distinct from city, from a city, um, setting, um, so you may not get that same like vibe, but there's more of like, I don't want to say independence because independence is not the right word, but it's more of, you may like, if you live in, um, like a, an apartment building or something like that, like, yeah, there can be community within there, like, you know, your neighbors or whatever, but it still doesn't feel like, um, depending on how the apartment is laid out, like it doesn't feel like people are watching you come and go and all that other stuff. Like there's like your cordial but it's not like very like 
uh, safe, as safe as maybe you would feel in a more suburban setting. Whereas like a suburban settings, like we get this false sense of security because we feel like, oh, I know my neighbors, like I can trust them. Um, I know that, that if something was to happen, like they would jump up in or jump in or let me know or alert it or whatever, which is then you have like, why you have like neighborhood watch, watch, just <laughs> all of that. Um, cause like, it just creates like that more, uh, feeling of being secure. Um, and so when they, and one of the reasons why they moved into the house was like, they wanted to get out of the city cause they wanted, they didn't want their kids to grow up in the city. Like crime was increasing. Uh, drug use was increasing. They made a point of showing that when they moved back into the apartment, uh, and Dean saw the guy, uh, shooting up in their foot on the street. I mean, like, I've seen some crazy things, but, like, I don't know. Maybe, because New York is a city that was there, that we're referencing here. Maybe it's different. I mean, I live in a Bay Area. Um, there is, like, a homeless, a homeless crisis, and I have seen people doing drugs on the streets, but, like, sitting right outside someone's front door doing it. I don't, I haven't experienced that, so I felt like it was a little... It was a little much, but they were trying to paint that um, contrast between like why they left the city to live in that house and why it was hard for them to give up the house, even though all these crazy things were happening. So that was part of why they didn't want to give up the house, but also like the sense of like pride or like feeling like Dean is a failure um, because we got to see that a lot uh, when they like moved out and he was like very upset because he couldn't figure out who the watcher was who was um essentially like bothering them like it literally impacted how he uh interacted with his family it completely consumed him all the way up until like the very very end of it uh so we never find out who the watcher is you all know like anything that's like a mystery like i want to solve it i want to figure it out i want to get that payoff at the end we do not get a payoff at the end. Actually, I'm pretty sure this was listed as a thriller on Netflix. On Netflix. Um, and I love a thriller, but usually, if it's fiction, usually, like you sit, like as an audience member. So we're going to get into like one of my gripes with this. And this is also going to be like super... Um, high level because I'm going to go through my notes and make sure I don't miss anything um because all my overall consensus was consensus if you just glanced at my notes is like it was weird there were a lot of red flags I would I would have left the house like me personally even if I got the house I moved in got the first letter the first letter you'd be like oh maybe it's like a joke or something whatever but then you get another letter you find old old dude and your dumb waiter like just chilling your your child's pet ends up murdered like those are signs to leave <laughs> like very blatant signs to leave and also there was a part or a point when um because we meet Theodora who's like the private investigator that Dean is working with um I know we're jumping a little bit but it's okay uh who he is working with and so he's or she's trying to help him figure out what's going on like where the letter's coming from we also know that 
that she's been diagnosed with cancer. So this is like one of the last um, cases that she's going to be able to work on because her prognosis is like not positive. And she connects him to the guy who lived in the house, one, the guy who lives in the house before him, whose wife committed suicide. Uh, and he makes a mention of like the crazy neighbor siblings and about how he thought his son was, um, had came to him and said like, he saw them essentially doing a, a blood sacrifice, uh, with a baby. But he made a mention about like an entry point in the house that never came up again until we get like later on in the series where, um, the dog or no, that's when, um, what's her name? Jennifer Coolidge's <laughs> character moved into the house. But we get to the scene where Dean and Nora are like downstairs and they end up chasing someone through the tunnels that they find out is downstairs in their house. And, but they end up losing him. And I was like, the guy literally said that there was like a door, an entryway in the house and like didn't cross your mind at all. Like that would have been the first thing. That would have been the one thing I would have taken away from everything that he said. Oh wait, there's another access point in my house that I don't know about. Okay, we need to go investigate. And the fact that, that it was never like brought up again or investigated until that scene when. Uh, oh, it was because they were doing construction on the house and they caught them and were like, hey, did you know that there's this entryway in your house? And then they went to investigate and then that's when they chased um, the guy down the tunnel. But I would have been like, uh, we're going to start in the basement. I was told there's an entry point. We need to find it. We need to seal it off because what? Especially after I would have been even more concerned knowing Hearing that there was an additional entry point that I didn't know about, but also knowing that somehow your neighbor's brother got into your house and was in a dumb waiter, like how did he get in the house if all the doors are locked and you now have all these very sophisticated uh, cameras. So yeah, that was weird. Uh, I do want to talk about, so they have two kids, um, Ellie and Carter. Ellie is the oldest. Um, Dakota is this guy who comes over and does like all the security systems for the Brannocks. Ellie is 16 and Dakota is 18 or 19. Very, very close. I've talked about this before um, because you go to high school with people who can be up to four years older or younger than you. And while you're in high school, if you're like a sophomore dating a senior, no one blinks an eye. Um, but then, and then when that senior graduates and goes to college, but your sophomore is now a junior in high school, but they're still together, no one blinks an eye. Um, granted, if it's like a college student that you don't know who's now trying to approach your like 16 year old high schooler, then there are alarm bells. So like it's all, and I say college student that's like 20 up, but like when you're like 18, maybe just turned 19, you're fresh out of high school and you're a freshman in college. 
I don't know. I have I have a lot of questions and I always think about that um, because you all know if you've listened for a while, I am very vocal about like age differences, <laughs> especially when it's like, um, and I think for me, the difference is like, what is the, what is the dynamic? So if you're talking about like a teacher student, like that's a completely different dynamic to me, which is like, um, totally unacceptable. But if you're talking about like someone who recently graduated high school and is in college and someone who is in high school is like 16, 17. Okay. Cause then you're talking about like 16, 17, you're old with an 18, 19 year old. And then like that seems appropriate as time goes, but I don't know. So, um, but Dean was very uh, upset when he found out about the relationship between those two, because one, he's looking at, at it as the view of like, he's her father. This is his little girl. You know, sometimes they portray those like father daughter relationships on TV as like the father won't let the daughter like grow up, they can't see them as growing up. They always see them as their little girl. And then on TV, um, it's the opposite with like the father-son relationship where it's like, oh, it's okay. They can do whatever they want. Um, and even sometimes vice versa with the mother because sometimes the mom will be very much like, oh, get off her back. Like she's a teenager. She's growing up. Let her like be a teenager. Let her grow up. And then like may, ba- may baby the son. Um, or flip-flop, I mean, it really depends, but in this case, he was very much babying her, and Nora was very much like, she was kind of like, oh, she's, like, don't be so hard on her, she's growing up, but also, like, still being, like, playing that mother role, um, but we know eventually, like, after, like, the initial shock, and plus Dean is, has been very paranoid with everything that's been going on with, like, the letters and trying to figure out who's sending them, like, after he got, got over all of that, and he, uh, like, took a step back, then he was able to, like, invite Dakota in and be like, okay, like, clearly I was wrong, and I approached this in a very wrong way, but I have to say, the way that Dakota was treated was a little triggering for me, <laughs> because there are like and for a ryan murphy um show ryan murphy shows are really usually pretty diverse but like there were like two black people in the entire show one being theodora and the other one being dakota there were some slight um vibes of racism in this town um that i was getting but like that whole scene when Ellie called the police. First of all, when Theodora kind of like threw Dakota out there as a suspect, I was like, wait a minute. she Is she really going to throw the only black kid on the entire show under the bus and like have him out here as like a potential suspect with this crazy white father? Like, is that really about to happen? But then when um, Dakota's at the house and then he gets confronted by or Dean confronts him. And Ellie's like in her room and she calls the police and the police shows up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot have this whole moment where like he gets dragged off to jail for absolutely nothing. But when the police show up, they were very much like, oh, this is a kid. Like, you're clearly crazy, sir. Uh, You need to calm down and like let and kind of like help to like calm the situation. And then we got to see Dakota's mom like show up. And, like, show up with him at the police station with his lawyer, snap, snap, snaps, um, to clear her son's name from, like, 
all the craziness that Dean was spewing. Um, so I appreciated that part of it, but I also was just like, we really took the only black guy in the entire show and like literally, literally tried to like incriminate him and potentially throw him in jail and have a whole like police moment. I was not here for it. Did not appreciate it. Still don't appreciate it. So it's just like, whatever. Um, oh my gosh. I saw the um, my note about when Dean met with the guy who used to live there um, with his uh, wife who eventually committed suicide. What was his name? Andrew. And he was talking about what he's his son saw and then he mentioned adrena adrenochrome i'm like oh my gosh i literally wrote oh gee not adrenochrome because like that was a whole thing for like a very very long time especially for like conspiracy theorists and i don't want to I, I sometimes try to like when I talk about these sh these shows, especially things that start to uh, um, mention or refer to like conspiracies that are actually <laughs> referenced in the real world, I try to ref refrain or like restrain myself because I think that is fascinating. <laughs> just just as much as if you listen for a while and you've listened to me talk about shows that involve cults and you know like that is one of the things that I find very very insightful to watch like I will watch documentaries on cults because I just think it's fascinating um to see how people can easily become enthralled enthralled in something and like want to follow it and I feel the same way about conspiracy theories like I just think that it's so fascinating that people can listen or see or read these theories and take them for at face value and believe that they that it is truth and there is nothing you can tell them that will deter them from thinking what they think I just think it's all very fascinating um, and very very insightful and that's why I always joke like I don't think that I could ever be um involved like unwillingly or unknowingly a part of or somehow caught up in a cult or like a conspiracy theory because it's just it's so blatantly obvious because a lot of the times the way that is done is similar regardless of like what the cult is or even what the conspiracy theory is so um and that's pretty easy for me to pick up on cults like things um so yeah I don't know I just think it's fascinating but when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I literally cannot. Because, like, that was literally a thing with, like, all these famous people who um, consume children to stay young. And, like, there's a whole thing. like I was like, unless someone someday comes and proves me wrong, like, it's just as insane as these things sound. There's just no way. There's no way. And I don't understand how people, like, are just, like... Yes, this is the truth. And just 100,000% believe it. So yeah, fun fact. I love watching cult, I say culty things, culty things in docs on conspiracy theories because it is 
very fascinating. <laughs> so now that we have that little aside, um, what else? We talked about Dakota, which I didn't want to talk about. And then Theodora. So Theodora, towards the end, after they move out of the house, um, she ends up in the hospital and then she eventually dies. But she, because they never really saw who the watcher is, she essentially tells them, and granted, you know, I'm watching this as if it's a mystery. So like, I've got my suspect list. I'm following uh, all the things. Once we get to the, um, like the tunnel scene, I was like, okay, this all makes sense. This tracks. Then we have Theodora be like, oh no, it was me. Everything was fake. I set it up. I was like, no girl, no, you didn't. Um, and she only said that because she wanted, she knew that Dean was struggling with not knowing and she wanted to give him the peace of knowing, but also because she didn't solve it for herself, being able to like create an ending, um, in some way gave her peace. At least that's what her daughter says or said. Um, but it's very obvious something's going on with the neighbors in the, um, I wrote it down, the Westfield Preservation Society. Something's going on with that group. Everyone is weird, is a, is a, um, a little off. Uh, John Graff, who apparently used to live in the house and then he killed his family. One of the things that I observed is that like, it doesn't seem like he's aged. So was it something like, <laughs> I'm like, do I say demonic? Was it something like demonic going on with the, like he sacrificed his family. Therefore he will be able to live for like eternity type of thing. Um, how did he weasel his way into this group? How does no one recognize him? Granted the two, um, siblings probably wouldn't because they moved in the year after him but like once the guy the teacher ended up in the group he's like oh you look familiar like I was waiting for him to be like oh wait no you you're found and he asked the question like how's your family and it, I, I feel like he knew who he was and I wanted more from that like it's just like the way that we ended seven episodes um I think honestly seven episodes is probably enough I just felt like we spent more time in areas that we probably didn't need to spend more time on and I would have preferred to see like more about like what was going on with this preservation uh society like the two the other two siblings or wait not the two siblings the tracksuit couple they're not siblings they were married the tracksuit so every time I said the two siblings I was talking about the tracksuit couple um they moved in a year after John Graff uh, murdered his family, but the two siblings, so the one who, with the brother who was in a dumb raider, and then the sister played by, um, Mia Farrow, when, um, they have, because I'm pretty sure the house that they're in is, like, their childhood home, so, like, how do they not, and he's pretty, and, um, what's his name, the brother had his accident around the time that like his accident is connected to when John Graff murdered his family because he's the one who found them I believe so like does he not remember is it just like something missing there or do they know and they're just not saying anything but they have to have known because they were hiding him so I feel like they know see we just worked that out together <laughs> But, like, that's the stuff that I felt like was, like, way more interesting than, like, seeing Dean be like, oh, I can't figure it out and I'm spiraling. Like, I want, I, those, these are some characters and we, we need, we need a little more insight on what the hell is going on. Um, Jennifer Coolidge as Karen clearly, uh, 
it was very interesting um, role that she was in because she essentially wanted the house. And um, she eventually gets the house after they leave and didn't listen to anything they had to say. Thought they were all crazy. And then she was up in the house and literally ends up um, moving out because... <laughs> they essentially someone comes up out of the stairs I was like you know what this house like I would have a full inspection and been like find any hollow hollow piece of anything and seal it up because there just seemed to be so many entry points into this house and I would have been like just tear the whole house down and build up something new like seriously um but like she gets scared shitless and ends up uh selling the house super quickly. I don't even think she was there like a week um, and moving out. But the um, one thing I was going to say is, oh my gosh, I lost it. But it's kind of like, because I was like, oh, are we going to get a season two? Do we need a season two? I mean, the real life story, there is no, there is no resolution. We don't know who was sending the notes to the real life um, couple. It wasn't as, uh, dark I guess you can say as the actual show um they took a very they took a a lot of creative license with the show which is why it's kind of like there's two phrases they usually say it's like these are this this is based on true events or I feel like there's a way that they need to say like yes it's based on true events but like very very lightly it's another phrase that I've seen that has, has not come to my mind because it's like, like I said in the beginning, the overall theme is similar to the real events, but like the actual, like once we get into it outside of like the only thing that the overall theme, when I say overall theme, I mean the fact that a couple moved in and they received let, very dark threatening letters. Like that's about as far as the similarities go. Um, and then the show just kind of like went its own direction with it. Um, but the way we end things, Dean is still very obsessed with figuring out what happened. Nora, like her career is starting to take off. She feels she's is like, Dean, you need to be in therapy. You need to be like talking this out. But Dean is clearly lying to her. So we end with them like looking at the house and watching and seeing um, the new family that's moved into the house. And then um, he pulls off and Nora pulls up and we know she's been watching him and she kind of looks at the house and then she drives off and then we see um, the the guy who just moved in with his family like gets the mail and he we are to assume that he has a letter from the watcher because like the watcher has not been caught. So like if we were talking about what would we do in a season two a possible season two because I haven't seen anything about any renewals. Um, then I think there are a few ways that they can go, um, where like they can we they can follow the family, but like Dean and Nora are so involved in some way because Dean really wants to know um what who the watcher is, and like he kind of like inserts himself because he we do see him insert himself and tell the guy like oh I live in the neighborhood. Um, so he can like insert himself in that way and like still try to solve it, um, or like work to see, or essentially be a watcher himself and try to catch the watcher in the act, which is hard to do when there's so many entry points within the house. 
Um, and then we can see like distress in their marriage because like Nora's trying to move on um, with her career and all of that. So like, I mean, there is something that they could do. Is it, do I think that I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to, we need a season two. No, not really. Unless season two, we're going to like dig into the preservation society and like all the stuff that's going on. Like even if we were like to go back and like do like a backstory of like, this is how they initially for, um, formed. This is when John Graff like first came in. Like that stuff seems very interesting to me. Like if we were doing it, do it in that kind of way, I'd be like, okay. That could be interesting. But if it's more of the same of this first season, um, but it's just like a different family and Dean's like running around sounding kind of like Andrew was sounding in season in this in this first season of like, oh, what is he talking about? Like he's not um we can't believe anything he's saying, like no one thinking that um he's being serious or like being like, Oh, you he's in therapy, so like whatever he's saying, like it's 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 not um accurate like that kind of thing then it's like okay I don't know but yeah so that is the watcher <laughs> I feel like we went a little bit all over the place but it's okay um every, we ended with everyone still being weird um and also oh, I'm reading like my last lines for episode seven also this town is freaking racist they are because that's when um uh dean i can't remember who he was talking to or no he went and visited to like apologize to the neighbors for like because after they moved out <laughs> he sent them all like really horrible letters but he went to after theodora was like oh i like confessed even though she really didn't do it but she confessed he like went to apologize to them and he was like yeah theodora said that she lived there and then um i can't remember who it was i feel like it was Maureen or maybe it's both Maureen and um Pearl because Pearl lived there longer than Maureen but they were like I want to remember the black if a black uh woman lived there and da 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 it's like oh my gosh like no black woman has ever lived here lived in that house or lived in this in this community I was like clearly <laughs> oh my gosh um but yeah but the real life story remains unsolved as does the TV show. So that is The Watcher. That is all I have. I want to know what you all thought about The Watcher. Uh, do you even want to see a season two? Let me know all the things and I will talk to you all in the next episode, which will be season two of One of Us is Lying. And I am so excited to talk about it. So until then, talk to you all later. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking through it to the end. Be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at Currently Busy on Instagram and at Currently on Twitter. Also, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, and I'll talk to you in the next one.